Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here. On behalf of my wife and all of our staff and pastors and really all of our volunteers who set up for you today, we're so glad that you're here with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, so happy that you're here. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why. is because when you go to a place, you can't really get the, the real feel of it the first time you go. That's why you have to go a couple of times and make sure, unless you're going to Chick-fil-A and you know right away. And so um, it's, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Also want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live in digital land, whether you're in your PJs, you're watching this at a separate, separate time. We're so happy that you're here with us. We consider you family and those listening on our podcast. We are starting a brand new series today called Our Imperfect Family. And uh, we're going to talk about over the next several weeks what it's like to really live in this world with our families. And it can be hard and it can be challenging at times, but we want to talk about what God has to say about having a great family and really what it's like to to really grow and raise a family inside of this world. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, we are going to be in Matthew chapter number uh, five, Matthew chapter number five. That's where we're going to be. Also, if you're with us, um, if you want to take out your phone and go ahead and check in and let everybody know you're at uh, you're at church on Facebook, go ahead and let them on, let them on. And we have people do that all the time. It's been a great connector, honestly, of our families. How many of y'all know sometimes you go to a place and you don't even know you're you're there at the same time, and uh, we are going, this is one, of our, we're starting brand new today, uh, three services in Rise Church, so give yourselves a hand clap, y'all are in the very first, and uh, we're not even a year old, we started with one, and we had to add two, and we ran out of space, now we're adding three, and so it's going to be awesome, and um, I always invite people to try out the noon service, because we're going to try out, we're going to do, uh, we have nine o'clock, which is what you're in, and we're going to do 1030, and then we're going to do noon, and by the time it gets to noon, it's like pastor unplugged, I'm tired, and I don't know what comes out, and so y'all will get maybe the most polished version of the message, and then the last service will get the most just uncandid, just whatever I'm thinking and feeling at that time version of the message, and so uh, it's, it's, it's great, that's what's fun, right, it's about life, so Matthew chapter five is where we're going to be at today, and uh, we're going to talk about family, but I'm going to set some ground rules before I do that, because anytime we talk about family, uh, that's a hot button issue. When I say family, in fact, you probably have a connotation already. There's something inside of your spirit. If you come from a great family, it may, maybe makes you feel great. If you come from a uh, not so great family, it doesn't make you feel so great. And so I want to talk today. I want to give a couple of ground rules. The first one is this. I'm not speaking as an expert, okay? So I'm not coming up here going like, hey, here's what I've done. You should do it like me. I have figured this thing called family out. That's not what we're doing. We're really going to talk to the main expert who created family, God. God created family. And we're just going to pull out some great principles over the next several weeks about our families, but I'm not speaking as an expert. I'm speaking as a, maybe a conduit, maybe a mailman from the expert. Okay. And uh, so we'll all learn together. The second thing is this, I'm going to speak really sensitively again, because it could be, it could be dangerous waters talking about family. And sometimes I've spoken about family or, or when you get into a conversation with someone who maybe came from a bad father, you know, how many of y'all like know that that could be a huge wound that sometimes people can't recover from. And so I want to be able to talk sensitively today, but I'm going to really talk about the Bible. And so Matthew chapter five is where we're going to be at. It's in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible or new to scripture in the New Testament starts off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what we call the gospels or the lives of Jesus. They're really historical accounts of the life of Jesus. And Matthew is the first book. So it's kind of easy, like starting the New Testament, Matthew. And Matthew wrote and started in chapter five, started talking about really uh, the, the kind of the beginning parts of Jesus's ministry. And when Jesus started his ministry, kind of towards the beginning part of it, he goes to this mountaintop and there was a crowd already forming. It's kind of early in his ministry, kind of giving you context to where we're at today in Matthew chapter five. And in the context of this ministry, he's starting to see people show up. Some people are coming to his, his they've heard about him. They've heard the miracles that he's done and he's, he's doing some amazing things. And he 
gets on the side of the mountain and he preaches what I would consider to say uh, the best sermon ever preached in all of mankind and all of human history. And it's got a famous name for Christians. So like if you're not a Christian in here, maybe you might not have heard this. But if you are a Christian here, you've been to church before, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's kind of the normal. But the reason they call it the Sermon on the Mount is because it was a sermon preached on a mountain. So it wasn't anything fancy. It was just the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off the Sermon on the Mount, uh, again, one of the most famous sermons. And it's kind of the first message he preaches to his followers. And it's kind of an interesting thing. And I want to read you how it starts out. He starts out with some of these, they call them Beatitudes. If you ever, how many of y'all ever heard of that before? Beatitudes. And if you're a Christian, you maybe grew up in church. They're the Beatitudes, but they're... Uh, uh, there's statements that start off with blessed are, and then he kind of tells you why they're blessed. I'll read one for you in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like that's, an, uh, that's a B attitude. And he, he has several. I'll give you another one. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a bunch of, and he goes on for a bunch of moments and just speaking to different parts of his message about blessed are these people and blessed are these people. And I'm going to do a sermon series one day on just the B attitudes alone because it's really, really good. And then he gets on to, 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 to the verse 27, and he starts to compare and contrast the world's way and his way. Now, you remember, these are new people who are trying to figure out this thing called Christianity. Jesus is just starting this movement, so he's kind of establishing what, what his followers should do. Like, like, hey, if you're on my team and you wear my jersey, this is how we do things. So he's starting to teach his family. He started really his first, this first spiritual family. That's what we call our church, by the way, just so you know, that's kind of the language we use. We call it spiritual family. We don't want to be an organization or even another church to you. We want to be a spiritual family. We want to be, I don't want to be your friend. I want to be your family. I want, I know this, that when I'm in my bed, you know, my, my bedside at the hospital, friends don't show up. Family does, right? They, they show up. I want to be, I want, we want to be a spiritual family to you. And so Jesus starts to teach his first spiritual family, and he compares and contrasts the world to him. And I'm going to read some to you. He does it in verse 27. He says, you have heard it was said. So he starts off, this is how he compares. He says, you've heard it this way, but I'm going to tell you this way. He said, so you've heard it this way. You shall not commit, not commit adultery. And he says, verse, verse 28, he goes, but I tell you, he says, so the world's way is like, don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your husband. But what I'm telling you is anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. So it's like the Jesus way has like a, a like harder standard. He's like, look, I know you thought you could kind of skirt the law and like be really cool because you checked off the boxes, but now you actually have to actually love me and do and follow the, my ways for you to be a part of me. I'll give you another one. He says this, uh, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? So he's like, that makes sense to you and I. Love your neighbor. Love the people who are nice to you and hate the people who are mean to you. He says, but I'm, but I'm telling you, he goes, here's, here's my standard is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in fact, he goes on to say, why would, he goes, it's pretty easy to love the people who like you, but I want you to love the people that don't. Because Jesus does that. He kind of messes with people's theology. And so then he gets to the end of this thing, and he goes, let me just summarize here. I just want to summarize my life with you. He goes, I just want you to be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, like, he not only goes, I want you to be perfect, but then I don't want you to be just your version of perfect. I want you to be God's version of perfect. And whether you're standing at the shore or standing at the, you know, the mountainside listening to Jesus preach or you're hearing it for the first time in here, that's pretty intimidating. And, and what's funny is, is like you read those scriptures outside of context and you're like, man, that's that's a Jesus. That's a I mean, I like you and stuff, but man, that's hard. 
You know, even his disciples at times, he would teach stuff and he'd say, they say these statements like, Jesus, this is hard teaching. And Jesus wanted to kind of shock and awe a little bit to kind of go like, look, there's a world way and there's my way. And so today what we're going to talk about, and if you're writing notes or if you're taking notes, the title of my message today is Perfect Families. Perfect Families. Everybody say Perfect Families. That's what we're going to talk about today. But if, uh, so let's bow your heads and pray. Let's pray. God, we just love you today, Lord. We thank you. We're here with you, Lord. We know that today you have something to speak to us. Regardless of what I've prepared as a message, Lord, I know you have a message personally for each and every one of us. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that today we would walk out of here different, that you would speak to us in a clear way, that we would know how to have a godly family in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. How many of you uh, have a family right now? Raise your hand. Like you come from a family. Come on. That's everybody, right? Raise your hand. Come on. And come on. Like you put deodorant on and you're, you're happy to be here. Okay, great. What's interesting about life is every one of us deal with this idea of family. Whether you are single right now, you came from a family. Uh, whether you're, you're, uh, you're dating right now, you, you're thinking about starting a family, maybe you're engaged, uh, maybe you're married right now and you're, just, you're, you're, you're contemplating maybe having kids, maybe you just had kids, you're brand new to this thing called family, or you've been around since Moses was on the earth, you've had kids, they're out of the house, and you're living the good life, right? Empty nesters. I salute you. We all struggle with this thing called family. I'm going to give you a picture that, uh, that, that, that when I first was a 15-year-old boy and I first met my wife. This is like pre-my family. Let me show you a picture. This is my wife and I, and we were 15. Look how chubby my cheeks are. Come on. <laughs> Whew. And uh, I've gotten healthier in the, past, in, the, in the future, but she's always been been pretty. But uh, man, that's my, we were 15 years old. I've known my wife over two decades now. It's an interesting thing to, to know someone that long. But this was, this was a pre-version. This is a pre-family version of me. And, and fast forward uh, uh, to, to present day, I have uh, a lot of kids and a big family. I got five boys, no girls. We, I'm too manly, obviously, as you could tell. And uh, <laughs> Uh, I got my twins, Riley and Kellen. He's not amused. Uh, Titus, this, I, this little kid right here, he's, look at that. How cool is that kid? <laughs> Titus. Judah, the one we got to keep in trouble. He's, he's, the, he's the catalyst. There's always one, right? And then Winston, our little squidget, he's brand new. And so he's, uh, he's two. He weighs like 58 pounds. He's gigantic. <laughs> and uh, and uh, go back to that first picture. Go back to that first picture. You know what's funny? This guy had it all figured out. How many of y'all had it all figured out when you were 15 years old? Raise your hand. You knew exactly what family was. You knew what your family was going to be like. You knew how perfect your life was going to be. You had it all mapped out, right? You, you knew where you were going to go to college. You knew what, what woman you were going to marry. You knew what man that was going to come and, and sweep you off your feet. And, and you knew how many kids. It was going to be 2.3 kids, you know, and, and you're going to have this house with the picket fence and life was going to be amazing. And you knew everything. You had the perfect idea of family. And then, and then, and then you had family. And, and, and there's a tension in life because what you assumed you, you, you had figured out, like how many of y'all went, like, you know, what's funny about going out to eat 
when you're dating? You know how easy it is to go out to eat when you're dating? You go out to eat. But when you have five kids, put the other picture back up. When you got five kids, you know how you go out to eat? Grubhub, that's how you go out to eat. You have it delivered. You don't go out to eat. In fact, I remember when we were out with my, my then girlfriend, now wife, we would look at other people who were bringing their kids. They ventured out into the public with their child and they were screaming across the restaurant, right? Right, you remember, like you've seen that. And then you do the thing that we all do silently. You judge them and you go, man, when I have a kid, how many of y'all have ever said that? When I have had a kid, come on, when I have a kid. When I have a kid, let me just tell you what they're going to do. They're going to sit and be quiet. They're going to be silent. They're going to eat their chicken nuggets, and they're going to like it. They're going to eat their green beans. It's going to be powerful. You're going to see I'm going to be the standard at which all other families make it happen. And then, and then they showed up. And we don't even go out to eat, right? You don't even go out to eat because you just know it ain't going to be good. Because I don't want to be judged. But there's a tension in life to be the perfect family. You know what makes it kind of worse is social media. I I was looking on my social media feed a couple weeks ago, and maybe it was last week, when all the kids went back to school. And uh, we, had a, we, had, we, we participated in this. We all participate in this. But your social media feed turns into show off my kid day, right? You ever, you ever, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? So as you're scrolling through, you see this picture. This is the picture right here. It's the first day of school, hashtag blessed, right? Hashtag fourth grade, hashtag new teacher, hashtag help me Jesus, right? And, and, and you know, this picture is funny because we all put this picture up. The picture we didn't put up was right before. When you told them, listen, we're about to take a picture and show it to the world, you better smile. And you made them hold that sign that says fourth grade and they're crying and they're, you're, 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 they're stressed out because of the picture before they're going to school. It's not even about that. You just wanna make sure you put your pictures to show everyone how perfect your kids are going to school. Because after this, they all got crazy, and then you had to drive them to what I would only be described as a combination of Indy 500 and Black Friday shopping, is when you have to drop the kids off at school in the line, and then go pick them back up. Not kidding you, this last week, my wife said, you need to come pick the kids up with me, because i got to show you the system of how I do it. What are you talking about? You mean like go pick up the just go pick up the kids? You drive up, they get in the car, you drive off. She goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. So we get over there, and my wife turned into like literally a, a race car driver. <laughs> We're driving in our suburban, and she's like, all right, she's cutting people off. My wife's a Christian, right? I think, and so she's like, you know, she's like cutting people off. There's screaming going on, honks. There's horns. There's kids flying everywhere. There's police officers screaming. It's like we drive up. My kids are running around the corner because they have already been told by mom that if they don't get here in two and a half minutes, we're leaving you. We're not getting in the big line. We're in the, the little line where we can get them and get out. And so my kids are panicked, running, screaming. There's shoes flying off. It doesn't even matter. I'm like, you forgot your backpack. Mom's like, leave it, leave it. Just get in the car. Put the 15-year-old back up. He knew what was going on.
And, and the problem, you know, the tension is that, like, have you ever saw a picture online where somebody was showing you their highlight and then you looked at your behind the scene? And you're like comparing the two and you're like, how can my life be like that when my kids look like this? Like, I don't understand. And there's a tension and you're like, man, their family looks so, and we say it, so perfect. Their life looks so perfect. They've shown you everything that was, you told them, smile. Look at the camera. And the 1% they show you, you compare to your 99%. And the tension is you can get discouraged. And the truth is, though, let's be honest. Can we all be honest in here? This is church. We're going to be honest. We're going to tell the truth. Because you ever been to, like, where your grandma saw you don't lie in church? You know, you get struck by lightning. So we're all going to tell the truth today. (laughs) All families are imperfect. As great as some of them are, they're still not perfect. I'll give you one better. You want to know why? Because all families are made up of imperfect people. You, by definition, as a human being, are imperfect. And I, I think some of us almost forget that sometimes. You're trying to be something you're not. You're chasing a dream that you'll never really catch. And, and, and if you're not careful, you can get in one of those, like, you, where you're chasing something, and you're, you, you know, you're kind of in a rat race. You're just you're circling. You're just running and chasing the wind. Solomon said, well, there's a guy in the Bible, he said, you're just chasing the wind. You're chasing something you're never going to catch. And, and I wanted us today, just as a matter of um, just kind of fun and exercise, is we're all going to say this because we almost need to hear it come out of our own mouths, okay? So this is a participatory part of the church, okay? So where you could say something. Because if you come from like a church where you got to be quiet, like you don't have to be quiet in church, okay? And this, at least in this one. And so um, we want you to say this. I want you to help me with this, okay? You're going to help me preach. We're all going to say this together. We're going to say this, okay? Everybody, 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 everybody pay attention. If you checked out and you're like, I don't know why he keeps telling me about his family, just check back in. Here's what we're going to say. We're all going to say this. Say this. Repeat this after me. Say, I am am not perfect. Doesn't that feel good? Okay, you're going to do this. You're going to look at your neighbor right now and say, you are not perfect. All right, look at your other neighbor, not your spouse, because I know you really wanted to do that. Let's try this. So look at your other neighbor and say, you are not perfect. Yeah, ain't none of y'all perfect. Ain't none of us perfect. In fact, the Bible says it uniquely with some unique language. The Bible says this. The Bible says in Romans, Paul is a a character in Scripture, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was writing to Roman church people. And he says this. He says, for everyone, everyone in that Bible, um, in the Greek, means everyone. (laughs) Deep thoughts with Pastor Aaron. For everyone has sinned. Everyone. We all. Everybody say all. That means me and you and everyone out there who posted the social media picture of their perfect family all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Like there is a standard of perfection and you and I, we ain't it. We ain't it. It's hard to have a family. It's hard to raise kids. It's hard to be faithful and loving to your spouse all the time. Come on, let's be real. Can we be real? It's a real church. If you're a guest with us and you're like, I don't like a real church. I want the fake church where we act like we got it all figured out. This ain't for you. It ain't. 
This is a this is a place where you got to come in and you got to realize, like, there's a lot of broken people in here. And the pastor's like the head broken person. It's hard to raise them. It's hard to live on a budget. Come on. It's, 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 it's hard to work at a job you don't altogether like. Can I get an amen? Like it's, it's, it's hard to pay for things like and pay bills on like credit card statements of stuff you bought 10 years ago. Anybody? Like it's, it's, it's hard to do vacations on a budget. It's hard to balance life with your in-laws. It's hard to have like a mixed family and come with weird dynamics of multiple family backgrounds. Come on, it's hard. It ain't easy. But God is, 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 is at the same time asking us to be perfect. It's, there's a tension. But if all families are imperfect, this means simply this. That all families, every family needs to grow Every family needs to mature. Every family needs to develop and get better in some way, in some part. You and I all have a step to take with our families. And so when Jesus starts to speak on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he confuses me when he says, you need to be perfect. Because I'm like, God, you've made us. You know we ain't perfect. What do you mean by this thing called perfect? Are you being mean? Are you being hateful? Are you being hurtful? Like, what does this thing called perfect mean? So let's define it. I looked it up in the, the Webster's Dictionary, and I don't even, it's not, does Webster even exist anymore? I just Googled it. So here we go. This is the world's definition of, of perfect. He said, it says this, it says, Googleist Maximus says, having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics. I love how it summarizes. It's as good as it can possibly be. Now, for you and I, when we hear the word perfect, we kind of agree with that. We're like, yeah, that makes total sense. That's the definition of perfect. That's how I see it. And that's how I feel like we need to be as a family. That's what we need to be as a church. And in some ways, you have, were even taught that growing up in some churches where, where the pastor and the church told you, you better be good. Like you better be perfect before you come to God because that God's perfect. We can all agree God's perfect. But before you come to him, you better get right. And you better be holy. And you better, you better, and you know, your, your grandma always pinched you on the, you know, they, did you ever get pinched? Did anybody else get pinched on the back of their arm in church, right? You better sit up straight. God's looking at you. And you were taught to be the perfect person before you came to church when Jesus taught, actually, if you just come to me and then I'll fix you and make you better. And so what happens is, is when you go to those churches, those churches turn into country clubs and churches weren't meant to be country clubs. Churches were meant to be hospitals full of broken people coming to the great physician to fix their life. And so, so, so we can get caught in all aspects of this idea of perfect. But what does God's version of perfect, what did Jesus really say when he said perfect? I'm going to give you the, 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 the perfect, the Greek word there for perfect was teleos. Everybody say teleos. Yeah, I said to be complete in the character or ways of Christ. You got to remember when he said be perfect, it was in the context of what he was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he said, you heard the world say it like this, but then I'm telling you to do it like this. And so he just instead of start, he kind of highlights a few ideas. And he think I think he kind of gets to the point where he's like, y'all are just going to go through a whole lot of stuff. So I'm not going to be able to highlight everything over all parts of time. Let me just summarize it. If you be perfect in God's version of perfect, if you be teleos, if you be complete in Christ's character, and you will actually get everything you want in life. 
He said, you need to have a, a Christ way instead of the world's way. Christ way is the perfect way. Christ way is, is Christ's characteristics. And that if you simply make your life built around me and my version of what your family should be, then you'll be perfect. You'll be complete. You'll lack nothing. And if we know the definition, that makes more sense. That's doable. Because then... What it's not is, it's not desirable elements for our families. Like, none of us have the most desirable elements in our family. You probably don't live in the house you, don't, you like. You probably don't drive the cars you have, you, you really want to have. You probably don't have the kids at this point right now that you thought you, you really prayed and hoped God would give you, right? You don't have all the desirable elements. You don't have all the desirable qualities in your family. You don't have all the desirable uh, issues in life and, the, and, 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 and all the, the people that make up and members that make up your family. You don't have all of the things that you would need to create the perfect family. And Jesus is not telling you to do that. Jesus is simply saying, if you want to have the perfect family, here's the statement, the summary statement of today. If you want to have the perfect family, you put me right in the middle of it. You just put me right in the middle of it. You make me Christ-centered. You make your family Christ-centered. Perfect families are Christ-centered families. Everybody say that when they say perfect families are Christ-centered families. Perfect families. Come on, like you mean it, say Christ-centered families. Yeah, so, so it's not you do everything the right way, dads. Moms, it's not you, you be the perfect mom. Kids, it's not you be the perfect children. It's you just, you got to put Jesus in the middle of it. You, he's got to be the number, he's got, it's not, it's not Christ then family, it's Christ in family. It's, and it's different. And if you want a perfect family, it's got to be Christ-centered. It's got to be built around Jesus. It's got to have, it's not, I did not say a Christian family, because there's a whole lot of Christian people. Shoot, rappers who give, at award shows are suddenly Christian. I just want to give, you know, props to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I don't even, you're a Christian? What? Oh, I guess everybody's a Christian. I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about Christ-centered families. Made up of Christ-centered individuals. Husbands, are you a Christ-centered man? Where everything you do and every decision you make is made within the guide of how Jesus would do it. Women, moms, wives, is everything you do and everything you make and everything you, 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 you put your hand to, is it done in the, the idea of a Christ-centered woman? Because if you don't do it that way, you can't have a Christ-centered family without Christ-centered members. Perfect families are Christ-centered. We, we call our church a family, and, and I like to say that we're the perfect church in the sense that we're a Christ-centered church. We don't got it all figured out. So we got tons of mistakes and tons of problems. Look, you look at the pastor. We got a lot of issues, but, 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 but the church is centered around Jesus. It's centered around Christ, the hope of the world. One thing that, 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 that helps everybody is Jesus. Now, I'll say this. This is a unique situation. If you're, if you're a single parent, sometimes it's hard when you come to things like this, you know, and you're like, man, I, I, how does this pertain to me? How, how does this work for me? It, it, 
this is a universal, universal principle. Is you, you can still be a Christ-centered family. You can still be complete. And, and here's how. Every time I talk to someone who's in that situation, I tell them two things. Number one, you, whatever the reason, whatever the situation that you are a single parent, you have a spiritual family who loves you. Rise Church is here for you. And you have a place at the table. Um, I love that, that, that in Psalms chapter 68, he says, God places the lonely in families. He places the lonely in families. Not churches, not organizations, not, not dictatorships, not jobs. God places the lonely in families. You're in a family. So, so you have a place. Second thing I would say is, though, is, is that, that you have a purpose and a future, but you play a part in that purpose and future. And you will always attract what you are. If you want to attract a Christ-centered individual, you yourself must be, come on, a Christ-centered individual. And God, here's what I love about our church. I, I've met people who have, who have created families with single moms or single dads, and they've taken the idea of walking that out and done the most holy thing, I think, in the world. You followed in Jesus' family's footsteps. You made a family together. But you attract what you are. You attract what you are. In the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how to create these Christ-centered families, how to have a Christ-centered, perfect family in the next several weeks. So you can't miss one weekend of this. I'm going to give you, as I close, just this one, um, this last thought. My, um, can you put my, my, the picture of my, my family back up there if you can? Uh, it's interesting. Um, as I look at my, my family, um, from getting to 15 to here, was, isn't it true? It's way harder than you ever thought possible. You know, there's so many more mistakes, so many more issues, and so many more problems. And I was sitting having, um, I was doing, just go ahead and leave that up. My twins, I love my boys. They're 11 years old, and uh, we had twins right away. Surprise! You know, it's like, <laughs> I always tell my wife it was God's practical joke to, to me. And, uh, and I was having, uh, I was doing homework with my kids, and it, they just got into middle school. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't even remember. How many of y'all do homework for your kids, and you don't even know how to do what they're trying to teach them? Anybody else? I'm like, how did I get through school? Um, and uh, so I'm sitting there, I'm doing it, and I'm like looking at them, and I'm like, man. And I, I left, and I told my wife, I'm like, I don't have to do that every day. And she goes, do you remember, Aaron? Do you remember when they were six weeks premature, and they were in neonatal intensive care units, and we didn't know they were going to make it? Hey, Aaron, do you remember when... Uh, when they were one, and every time they cried, they would have seizures and curl up into little balls. Couldn't do anything, had every specialist look at them. They just had to grow out of it. Every time a one-year-old cried, a one-year-old, and they would seize up. You just sat there and watched your little baby just... And you, hey, do you remember, Aaron, when they were two years old and Riley had an issue with his neck and you had to stretch out his neck every night, every night. You had to sit a two-year-old on the bed and you had you, mom, held down his hands, his whole body held his head at the end. And every night I had to stretch out his muscles that were not stretched out. And I could not explain to him what was really going on. And so he screamed the whole time. I could hear his tears. If I could really, I could, I, I could still hear him. 
And then, you know, he said, do you remember when we sat in front of school administrators and looked at us after they tested them and said, hey, they'll never be in school the way they need to be. They'll be two grades behind. They'll never communicate with you. You need to settle it in your heart right now. And then they said, hey, we'll prove it to you. you come, come tomorrow. We'll put them in a classroom. You can see behind glass, and you can watch them from a distance, and they won't know you're there. And they sat them in the classroom. And every nightmare, every nightmare I ever had about my kids, witness, I watched it because they were sat in the middle of a room with a bunch of kids who were quote, unquote, perfect. And they didn't speak the way that they should have. And engage the way that they should have and learn the way that they should have. And then I, teacher looked at me and she said, see, told you. They'll never, you'll never sit down and have a time where you help them with homework. She goes, she says, she said, we don't have a, we don't have a perfect family. You got to do homework with your kids. And I think the reason God says to put him in the middle, it's not so you don't have issues. Because every time I looked at that, you know, I was a pastor through their entire life. And I thought, and I asked God, I'm like, God, why would you do that? Like, I'm trying to do your work. If you're supposed to protect anybody, wouldn't it be me? Like, I'm your pastor for you. And, and he said, he, I remember he said, he goes, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're a Christian. I'm here with you. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. You keep me in the center of their life, and I'll be with you forever. Amen. And you, you, you can do homework with them as much as you want. So my encouragement to you, what I think Jesus was saying, is that when you're, when you're trying to be the perfect version of the world's perfect, you're never going to win. But when you're trying to be the version of perfect that God wants for you, which is just putting Jesus in the center of it, you win every day. We win every day. Because those kids are not supposed to be where they're supposed to be. And it isn't because I'm a great parent. It's because God's a good daddy.